the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, December the 21st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. There are 10 days left in the year 2021. Winter arrived this morning at 7.59, about an hour ago, Pacific Standard Time. I always look forward to this day because I know that the days are going to begin to get longer. Not really, they're only 24 hours each, but the daylight part of the days. It'll take a while before we notice it, but I know it's happening. That makes me feel good. I like the light better than the darkness. I think many of you do as well. Today on December 21st, 1988, 270 people were killed. A terrorist bomb had been planted and it exploded aboard a Pan Am Boeing 747 over Lockerbie, Scotland. You may remember that because of the visual, the pictures that we saw of that big giant 747 scattered across the lonely landscape of Scotland. All the people, of course, lost their lives. Today in 1620, pilgrims aboard the Mayflower went ashore for the very first time at present-day Plymouth, Massachusetts. Today in 1864, during the Civil War, Union forces led by Sherman, they concluded their march to the sea. They captured Savannah, Georgia. The Civil War was pretty much over by then. Today in 1891, the first basketball game was played. It was devised by a guy named James Naismith. It was played at the International YMCA Training School in Springfield, Massachusetts. They had a couple of peach baskets nailed to a pole, and they had a round ball. I think it was a soccer ball or something like that. And anyway, they figured out this game, and this Jim Nasith, he put it together, and the rest is history. Today, in 1914, the U.S. government began requiring passport applicants to provide photographs of themselves. Today, in 1945, U.S. Army General George Patton, he was 60 years old, he died in Heidelberg, Germany. He died as the result of a car crash that he was in, an automobile accident, 12 days earlier. He was injured seriously and passed away today in 1945 at the age of 60. Today in 1991, 11 of the 12 former Soviet republics proclaimed the birth of the Commonwealth of Independent States. And they also proclaimed the death of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Today, the collapse actually happened of the Soviet Union. Shots were not fired, but President Reagan had the courage to stand up in front of the world and tell Mr. Gorbachev to tear down this wall, and that started what we know now as the collapse of the Soviet Socialist Republic. One man with courage, and the rest is history. Today in 1995, the city of Bethlehem, passed from Israeli to Palestinian control. 
Bethlehem has played a central part in the history of Christianity. Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, God became flesh and dwelt among us. He was born of a Virgin Mary. Out of his love and his concern for a sinful, depraved human race that he'd created, that they could not help themselves. They had turned away from their creator. They had sinned. In fact, they had tried to eat of a fruit that would cause them to become like the creator. But God cared enough that God became flesh, born in a manger in Bethlehem. It figures significantly in world history. Isaiah wrote about this event in chapter 9 of Isaiah. He wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Paul spoke of that peace that God brings to our lives. In Isaiah chapter 26, the prophet wrote, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. A lot of things going on at this Christmas season, I'll tell you for sure. You're very aware of that, I'm sure. People are always pressed. seems like we have more things to do around the holidays than we have time to do it. But it's much bigger than that in the world we live in today. We live in a world that is so conflicted, it's so chaotic. Nobody knows who's in charge. America has been the most powerful nation in the world, and I believe it continues to be, but our leadership doesn't reflect that. President Joe Biden is set to address the American people today. Maybe he's speaking as I'm speaking. I'm not sure what time he's doing that, but I got a preview. I looked at a preview earlier this morning of some of the remarks that he intends to make. Who knows about Joe, what he'll do, but nonetheless, he indicates in some of these remarks that they, they put out to the press that he plans to triple down, <laughs> their words, to triple down on the vilification of unvaccinated people and is likely to announce new restrictions on those who refuse to take the shot. He's going to start punishing people today. Merry Christmas. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you, this guy that uh, is the White House Wuhan coronavirus coordinator, this Jeff Zients, he said uh, to the press yesterday afternoon, he said, we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing. We'll get through this. But, he says, for the unvaccinated, and he's President Biden's guy, he said, for the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your family, and the hospitals. You may soon overwhelm. 
This reminds me so much of the Jimmy Carter years, I can't tell you. And I, I think many of you would agree you can remember. I was <laughs> very young man. I was maybe a year old. No, I, I was young, but I was paying attention in the Carter years. And I had never seen anything quite like that. It was so negative and so so down and so dark and the melees and so on. Well, welcome back. This is what we have again. I'll tell you. Progressives preach tolerance until they dominate. Then they demand silence and compliance. You don't hear the word tolerance much anymore, do you? And they have divided America in a way over vaccine, of all things, so they can punish one sector of the population and pretend to be rewarding another part of the population. It's amazing. Right here in Washington State is playing out in the death of Senator Doug Erickson. I talked about his death yesterday, and it's still in the news. It's in national news now, and the debate continues. Como News in Seattle is talking about it this morning. They say the death last week of State Senator Doug Erickson of Ferndale has prompted concern and speculation at the state capitol among those who are asking if his passing was linked to his battle with COVID-19. Yes, he did have COVID-19. He said he did. He kind of got in El Salvador. But the, but the conversation continues, Como says, about whether or not he was vaccinated against the virus. Why should they care at this point? It's only a political maneuver. Senator John Braun, he's a leader among state Republicans, he, he dismissed the speculation. He told Como not to worry about it. He said, it's tragic and it's sad. He said, I don't know whether he was vaccinated or not. But he said, I don't think it matters. The fact is that we had a good person who served this state and his district with distinction, and tragically, we lost him. I don't think this is a time or place to second-guess what Doug Erickson did or didn't do. You know, I think that's a personal decision for people to make in terms of vaccine and whether they want to reveal that or not. I'm not for vaccines or against vaccines, he said. But that's up to each individual to make that decision on their own. I wholeheartedly agree with him. And I agree with what Doug said again and again, publicly. He said, it isn't about vaccine, it's about freedom, it's about liberty. That's what the issue is. People have a right to make that decision. And the people that have trumpeted and celebrated and carried the banner for abortion, killing unwanted babies, now say, oh no, no, you can't make your own medical decisions. The government's going to make them for you. That's what this whole issue is about. But they're trying to make it something very different. Como News says Erickson's death has also led to speculation that he could have escaped his ultimate fate had he been vaccinated. Have you ever seen anything like this, the death of, of a leader? being used to somehow further the debate and punish those who are not and pretend to reward those who are vaccinated. Representative Jim Walsh, he's a Republican from Aberdeen, he said, he said, yes, I've heard that kind of thing before. He said, it's just disappointing that Senator Erickson's death is being politicized by anyone. 
He's exactly right. Wall said his colleague was not anti-vaccine. He said he was supposed to be required to obtain the, the treatment. He said he, he, he wasn't anti-vaccine. He just was anti-being told what to do by the government. He said one person making that decision is not the way we run a democracy. Erickson actually made that comment to Como News not so long ago. Walsh said Erickson and I were really on the same page in that regard. Neither of us was anti-vax. He said we're for informed consent. And Walsh said he was a champion for informed consent. And he was. Indeed, he was. Overshadowing all of this, this debate about a now-deceased leader, former leader, Dr. Fauci made the statement yesterday. He said, I don't think we'll ever stop requiring masks on airplanes. Merry Christmas, Dr. Fauci. I want to talk to you a little bit about education in Washington State today, but it's across the nation. It applies. This is not isolated to Washington State. But let me be direct because I want to be truthful about it. There is a war. It's not really about vaccinations. It's not even about political views. It's about something much more and much deeper than that. It's about the truth. And it's about a war that is not flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual war that's being fought. Mary, the virgin mother of Jesus, was not the first parent to be mocked by those who held different views than her own, particularly different views that her son would hold. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was her son by birth. But she's probably one of the best-known parents in the history of the world. The same spirit that confronted her and tried to destroy her because they disagreed with what her son would teach and preach. That continues to this day. And that's evident particularly in our government-run schools across America. And it specifically has reared its ugly head at East Lake High School in Sammamish, Washington. Sammamish is an east side suburb of Seattle. In fact, some are suggesting that to criticize teachers' political bias in the classroom is violence. No, not in Virginia, in Washington State, in King County. Both peace and goodwill appear to be absent in the halls of government-run education. While the war of the two worlds rage, in that context we celebrate the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah I'm sure he knew that as he wrote the words inspired by Almighty God, the words that I shared with you just a moment ago. Yes, we do celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace in the midst of a war that rages between two very different worldviews. Jason Rance is a talk show host on KTTH 710 a.m. in Seattle. He says that Sheila Hodgins, 
is a humanities teacher at East Lake High School in Sammamish. I know some people in Sammamish very well. In fact, I know them very well in Sammamish. In a podcast, Hodkins admits that she and fellow educators bring political bias into the classroom. She just doesn't see anything wrong with it because, she argues, there's no neutral spaces, right? Everybody's biased. Well, she's kind of right. Everybody is biased. We have a bias. The point is, do you transport that into and export it into the classroom and you have these captive children, their parents are paying thousands of dollars to support the institution, but they're given no say, for the most part, in the child's education. So you steal the child from mid-morning to mid-afternoon, and you indoctrinate them with your philosophy, your worldview, and then you call the parent a violent or even a domestic terrorist, in some cases, if they object to what you're indoctrinating their children with. So Rance publicly called out the fact that teachers are indoctrinating children in the classroom on his radio show in Seattle their own politi- with their own political views. He raised the ire of not only the administration, but of some of the parent activists who are married to the idea that their indoctrination is permissible because they don't see anything wrong with the outcome or the analysis of what they believe. So there are parents that agree with this. They agree with socialism, down with capitalism, and blah, blah, blah. Rand says it promoted, or it prompted, the um, superintendent to write an email. Then he wrote a second email about Rance's comments. He says the superintendent, Rance says the superintendent is desperately trying to keep his woke staff and area parents from revolting. Parents are on edge across America. I can tell you that I've been following this very closely, and you know I mentioned it often on this program because it impacts the culture in such a way that, I mean, public education has been one of the foundations of America, founded by a deeply committed Christian, Noah Webster. And his idea of what public education was to be is diametrically different than what we have seen evolve in public education today. It's pathetic. The social media attack has now turned on rants, which is not so bad. It'll up his ratings. I'm talking about him this morning. Many others are. But with Hodkins emailing staff with a heads up, claiming that this follows Rant's trend of targeting schools and teachers for talking about wearing masks or social justice, pretty much reveals what this war is really all about. Rant says the left is doing what they always do, mobilize and support their ideological comrade, and then they try to silence any opposition. It's exactly what they do. She ties the criticisms to the trend seen nationwide threatening behavior towards educators. She said, oh, this is epidemic. She said, we educators are under attack. We need protection. We need you to stand with us against these people. These people? These people are the parents of the child. In other words, the educators have become the victims of those who hold conservative views they do not that do not want their children indoctrinated by people who hold an opposing humanistic secularistic worldview there's a whole lot more to this story with rance but you get, i think you get the point so i'm i'm going to move on but that's one isolated issue that can be multiplied many times across the nation This past July, more than 5,000 teachers signed on to a pledge at the Zinn 
I'm going to talk about Howard Zinn in a moment, but the Zinn Education Project, and that pledge that they signed, 5,000 at one time, and that just launched this. Thousands more have signed it since then. That was several months ago. But they, they vowed, by signing this pledge, to teach their students the concepts of critical race theory, even if it's banned by law. Make no mistake, the far-left teachers, unions, the activist teachers are prepared to ram critical race theory propaganda into the minds of students while targeting those who oppose it, particularly the parents, of all things. Give me your child, and I will make them into the image that I want them to be trained up to be. Howard Zinn was born in 1922. He died in 2010. He received his, I think he was born in Brooklyn. He grew up in New York. I think it was Brooklyn. But he received his PhD from Columbia University, a very far left university, as you probably know, but they all are pretty much. Anyway, he got that degree after serving in the Air Force during World War II. He was either a pilot or he was on the crew of of a plane, and he flew bombers in or flew with the crew at least but anyway he taught at Spelman College after he got out of the military and uh, he got fired at Spelman College for his extreme activism Zen would describe himself back in the day as something um, these are his words something of an anarchist something of a socialist maybe he said I'm a democratic socialist well that would be today's version would be Bernie Sanders not as articulate as Zen. He was quite articulate. He wrote dozens of books, but the most impactful book that he wrote was A People's History of the United States, in which he, long before the name Ibram X. Kendi became known, and his critical race theory, this Zen wrote the official revised history book for the radical left. It's still used in classrooms across the country, A People's History of the United States. You might want to check that out if your child is in public school. If they're teaching him that, they're they're teaching him lies. He will end up hating America. That's the goal of the book. For the most part, it's a lie, much like critical race theory. Kendi is the next version of Zen. A part of Zen education pledge that teachers are signing says, quote, lawmakers in at least 26 states are attempting to pass legislation that would require teachers to lie to students about the role of racism, sexism, heterosexism, and oppression throughout U.S. history. The Zen Project claims the laws aim to prohibit teachers from teaching the truth about this country, claiming our country was founded on dispossession of Native Americans, slavery, structural racism, and oppression, and structural racism is a defining characteristic of our society today. And if anything else other than that is taught, then that, they are lying to the students. It seems oddly ironic that we're talking about this today as it because it's happening today on the very day that the pilgrims walked from their boat onto the shore and they did so, and the first thing they did was get on their knees and thank God that they made the trip safely because it was a rough trip across the ocean in that wooden boat. But I will tell you that it's ironic That we're having this conversation today as the battle for the minds of our children is raging while the pilgrims crossed the ocean and established themselves in a colony in what we know as Massachusetts. 
because they wanted above all things and were willing to risk everything for religious freedom, the right to train up their child in the way they should go according to God's word. Zen once claimed, the truth will set you free. He was plagiarizing. Those are Jesus' words, not his. But Zen said, the truth will set you free. Yet when he faced the truth, he could not recognize him. Unlike Kendi, who who uh, advocates for critical race theory, Zen was articulate. He was well-educated, well-spoken. A few months ago, the New York Post featured an article, published a featured article. It was titled, Ibram X. Kendi is a false prophet of a dangerous and lucrative faith. The post begins with these words. Ibram X. Kendi's name appears everywhere in school curricula, corporate training programs, even the Navy's official reading list. The Boston University prof is blazing supernova in the constellation of radical chic race activism. It goes on to say that, be warned, the New York Post says, his philosophy would jeopardize the bedrock American ideal of individual dignity and equality under law. Exactly. Ibram was born Henry Rogers. He wasn't Ibram X. Kendi. He changed his name. I'm sure there's a meaning to that. But in reality, he's an ideologist of elite opinion. He's buoyed by government and corporate patronage. And he gets paid $20,000 an hour to give his seminars on critical race theory. And he has taken all of his thoughts about this and has marketed them, made them as ancillary products, and they're sold all over the world. He's making millions of dollars. That's why the New York Post says he's a fraud. Howard Zinn was the forerunner to this guy. His agenda is to indoctrinate American students in identity politics, which is cultural Marxism, and to destroy this nation from within. That is the goal. And to do so with our children. Let me leave you with this thought about Mary, the mother of Jesus. The same spirit that drives the destructive ideologies of today drove the destructive ideologies of the past. The virgin birth of Jesus probably elicits more sarcastic reaction than any other miracle that's recorded in the Bible. The earliest polemic against Christianity was focused on the virgin birth of Jesus. In the book of John, we see this hostile gathering of people, and they're telling Jesus, we have not been born of fornication. The implication was, and Jesus knew what they were saying, they were saying to him, we know you were, but we weren't. We were born to a married husband and wife. The Greek writer, this Celsus, he wrote a book back in those days about how Jesus was the illegitimate low-birth offspring of a teenager called Mary and a Roman soldier named Panthera. That book circulated in the local culture, and it wasn't so much to destroy Mary, it was to destroy Christianity itself. Much can be learned from Mary's response recorded in Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. I think that's a prayer, and that's a, an expression that in all of this war and this stuff that's going on in our country and in our culture, I think Mary's response 
is the correct response. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.